Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on and worship Him. Come on, let's praise Him. Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. Oh, thank you, Lord of glory. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord of glory. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name. The name above every name. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God Almighty. Thank you, my Father, my King, my Savior, my fortress, my defense, my strength, my comforter, my God, my Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, I praise you. Oh, God, I praise you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Holy, 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 holy God. Thank you, dear Lord. Thank you, dear Lord, God Almighty. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right, Pastor Harper, come say a good word for the Lord. Thank God. Thank you. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yes. It is good to be right here. Yes, it is. Feeling this good Holy Ghost tonight. Amen. Amen. God is so good to us. Thank you, Jesus. You are worthy, Lord, right now. Amen. Amen. You may be seated for just a moment. In the scripture, it gives us the count of a young man, or a man rather, that scripture shows us that he was blind and that he sat by the side begging. And when he had heard that Jesus was coming, the scripture shows us that he began to cry out and cry out, Lord, have mercy on me. And those that are around him began to try to quiet him down a little bit and tell him to hush up and and just to stop that racket and all this kind of stuff. And one place it says that he, he cried the more. And another place it says that he, uh, with much more, began to cry out. And, and to ask for God to come and touch his yes. situation. Yes. And you see that you read there in the scripture said that Jesus had stopped. And he stood still and he, he called for him to come. And he touched his life and he was able to see after that. And, but you look at this and you realize that in life and in services like this, when, when you begin to feel the Holy Ghost and your flesh begins to fight and begins to say, just calm down and just, you know, don't, don't, don't let loose and, and don't let God touch your life. Don't let God touch your situation. And that's all the more time where you need to go ahead and yeah. cry out the more. Yeah. You need to go ahead and push back all of the opposition that's, right. that's trying to stop you from receiving the blessing that God's got from you and realize this is your opportunity to feel the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. The enemy wants nothing more than you to stay in your situation, to stay bound up and wrapped up. But see, uh, he knew, he nobody else there knew how dark his situation literally was, how lonely it was in his life. And he knew this is my chance. This is my opportunity. I'm not going to sit down. I'm not going to let it pass me by. But rather, I'm going to get up here and I'm going to cry out to God. 
I'm going to make my petition, my petition known here tonight and say, Lord, I need you. I need you more than anything else. I don't care what people are trying to say. I don't care that people are trying to stop me. I'm going to let my, my request be known here tonight. I need the Holy Ghost. I need a touch. I need a miracle. I need you to open up the windows here in my life. Amen. And pull me out of my situation. Amen. You know, sometimes the writer said when I was a, a child, I did all things like that, but, you know, there comes a point in time you got to put away those things and realize it's time to man up. It's time to wake up to what God is providing, what God is showing, what God's putting right in front of your face. It's time to put away those childish things and go ahead and make up my mind. Lord, I don't want to just say this tonight. I want to show you I need your touch. I need you, Lord. I need your Holy Ghost here. Amen. I don't want a service to pass me by. I don't want an opportunity just to go by and sit casually. But rather, I want to know this may be my only shot. This may be my last shot. I want to go ahead and make it known to God right now. I mean business. I need this in my life. Amen. Amen. I was picking up some kids today at church, and one of the, the signs on front of the churches, you know, you can get some real doozies. Every once in a while. But this one I, I thought was, it was okay. It was good. And it said, you know, it said everybody that died yesterday had plans for today. Yes, and you know, that's the way that it goes. And But see, the enemy wants to tell you, oh, you've got enough service. Oh, you, you can keep doing your thing. And oh, you can, you can just let this go. And you can just let this go. And you, you have time for this. And you have time for that. And you know, there's always an excuse there's always a reason, there's an illness, or there's some kind of thing going on in your life that will keep you from giving God praise. They'll keep you from letting go and let God have His way. You know, it's time just to go ahead and put those childish things down and realize, Lord, I don't need anything here. I just need your divine touch in my life. I just need your divine direction here tonight. Amen. And I'm going to cry out. I'm going to leap. I'm going to dance. I'm going to run. Whatever it takes, I'm going to get your attention until you stop right here in front of me and you fill me with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's praise Him. Let's thank Him for a time right now to be in His house and to call upon His name. Yes, yes, yes. Come on. Yellow. Woo! Our Father who Hallowed be your name, our Father, who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name, our Father, who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name, our Father, who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your name is great and greatly to be praised. Let everything that has breath.
Holy Spirit. God, I give you praise and glory and honor. I give you praise and glory and honor. Thank you for what we're feeling here tonight, God. Thank you. Manifestation of your spirit today, God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glad I came to church. Amen. Feels good to be in church. Always feels good to be in church. That's right. To worship our God. I was thinking this afternoon, you know, there are are a lot of people that would do a lot of things in order to be accepted in different groups. And uh, you you hear about these college campuses and about all the, they have these groups and fraternities, and they'll do all these crazy things so that they they could be in, they could be a part. You know, there's hazings, you know, there's, you know, drinking excessive amount of alcohol, all these crazy things so that they can be accepted, that they can be in. But tonight I'm glad that it's not that hard to come into God's house and be in God, to be right. in the church. That's right. That's to repent, to be baptized in his name and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that'll put you in. That'll put you in the church. I'm glad to be in the church. I want to yeah. be in the church. Yeah. I want to be in it. I want to be engaged. I want to be a part. Yes. I want to be a part of what God, what God is doing. You know, being a part... There's a lady in the Bible who talks about from Canaan. She came to Jesus, the Bible says. Now, she came to Jesus. She had a problem because her daughter was vexed with the devil. And she said, Lord, touch my daughter. She has a devil. And the Bible said that Jesus paid her no attention. She continued, and the disciples told her, Jesus, Jesus, tell this lady to get out of here. Go away. And she said, Lord, please. And the Lord said, you know, I'm not sent to you. I'm sent to the, to the Israel, to the lost sheep of Israel. That's why I'm not sent to you. And she said, but Lord, help me. And Jesus told us that, you know, it's not meat for me to give the children's bread to the dog. I can't give what belongs to the children to the dog, calling her a dog. But the Bible said, that lady said, you know, it's true. She said, but still the dogs deserve the crumbs that fall from the table. You know what? She was, she, there was a warning to be in, warning what yeah. God wants to do, a, a yeah. longing that I want to be in. You know, no matter when, if he's pushing, no matter if my... My toes are getting stepped on. Just saying, I want to be in. You know what? I don't yeah. care. You know, just like just like the lady in the uh, Bible talked about Ruth, Naomi, and, and Oprah in the Bible. And they in the New Old Testament talked about how that when she and her, 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 her husband and her sons died, and she had no other children for these young ladies, and she told them, to go ahead and go back. And they're like, they like, no, we're not going back. We're going to be with you. She's like, no, go back, go back. I don't have no more sons. Go back. And it's like, no, no. And the one girl, she's like, all right, I'm gone. And she left. She was gone. And the, but the other one said, no, I'm staying with you. Talking about being in. Yeah, wanting to be yeah. in. Wanting to be a part of what God was doing. Wanting to be a part. Wanting to be in the church. That's my desire tonight. To be in with what God is doing. To be in. And she said, the one thing I love, she said, she said, where you go, I'm going. She said, where you die, that's where I'm going to die. You know, not just for now, but for eternity. I'm talking about sticking with it, being in forever. I'm so glad to be a part of the church. I'm so glad. And God has great things, great things in store for his church. The Bible says that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor you have to enter into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. I want to be in with the church. I want to be in. I want to be included. I don't want to be out. I don't want to be out of the city. The Bible talks about those that are out of the city. The Bible said they, all those people that are Dogs, sorcerers, homemongers, liars. That's who Adler says. I want to be in the city. I want to be in the church. I want to be in that ark. In that ark. Because when the flood comes, everyone will die. But I want to be in the church where there's salvation and safety. I mean, I'm glad to be in the church tonight. Not just around it, but in it. In it. That's my desire to stick with it, to be a part. Even when I'm being pushed away, when I'm telling, when I feel my feelings are getting hurt, I want to be in. I want to make that effort. 
and say, I'm going to be here. This is where I'm going to be. I'm not going nowhere else. I'm going to be in a church. I want to make my mind up to stay with God and his program and his church. Praise God. Let's continue to worship to be in the church, to stay there. Come yeah. on. Let's continue to worship God tonight. Yeah. Whoa. Is it more than just a prayer to pray? More than just a way to heaven? Yeah. What does it mean to be his? To be formed in his likeness? Know that we have a purpose. To be sought and light in the world, in the world. To be sought and light in the world. To be sought and light in the world, in the world. To be sought and light in the world. said hallelujah. Give God a big hand. Amen. 
Thank God. Well, I am truly glad to be in church tonight. And, uh, you know, I think I'm going to give everybody standing a rest tonight, so I'm going to let everybody go down. And, uh, Miriam, if you'll move over so Brother and Sister Williams can sit there, that'd be great. And uh, keep Sister Williams standing so much, I'm going to let her sit on that nice of me. Hebrews tonight, book of Hebrews. I'm very glad for everyone to be here and to be in God's house. He's a great God, a wonderful God, holy God. He's right here. He's a church-going God. Aren't you glad he's a church-going God? I know I am. I wouldn't want to be here without him. That's for sure. Hebrews chapter 10. Needless to say, it's a great book and a great chapter, but then they all are. <laughs> so, you know, we can uh, we can close our eyes and just open it and stick our finger. Whoever hit it would be good because it's in the book. All right, let me focus it for the moment on verse 20, Hebrews 10 and 20. By a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say, his flesh. I'd simply like to minister for a little while tonight on a new and living way. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. The, uh, you know, the essence of this, of this chapter, the writer, of course, he was dealing with people who were Jewish by background, and he was speaking their language. So for us, we have to kind of dig a little bit for those that are Jewish, and some of them have, uh, shall we say, of Old Testament biblical background. Some of them went to synagogue growing up or were taken by, that's their, their church, and their parents took them, and, and some of them went to uh, Religious training as young people, maybe up to eighth grade, and uh, others went to what they call yeshiva, and they went to a particular Jewish-type school. And uh, there's other names that they have. And um, so some of them are a little bit more in tune with certain words and phrases and teachings from the Old Testament. Well, of course, in the time of the Apostle Paul and others that were commentary to him, com uh, What's the word I want? They were at the same time as him, contemporary to him. Uh, I say that because I don't want you. I'm not saying that Paul was the one that wrote Hebrews. We don't know that. Uh, but uh, some say it was Apollos. Others say it was others. I don't care. I know the Lord was the author of it. He inspired it. And that's all that really matters. I don't think um, anybody was looking for glory. They wanted all the glory to go to God. But uh, these, you will find a lot of, things that were the way it was worded and spoken and the uh, presentation of it was uh, had these Jewish people particularly in mind. And uh, here, you know, he deals with the shadow of things to come, not the very image. So he's contrasting that Old Testament with that New Testament. And uh, he made it clear that the old could never take away sacrifices that they offered from year to year. The, thing, the way things were being done couldn't get the job done. You hear me? We couldn't get the job done because 
For an example, the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. Okay? There were things that it's like saying you could never have church with just the blueprint. Pastor Bob, we unload the unroll the blueprint, we step into it, we go heaven. We're not in a new building. We're we're in the blueprint. Well, that's what the Old Testament was. The Old Testament was a blueprint. Okay? And uh same thing with John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the blueprint. The blueprint was with God, and the blueprint was God. Okay? But one day, verse 14, and the blueprint became flesh. <laughs> and that was made the difference. And so you have him dealing here, trying to convince these Jewish people. Uh, I told the young men, some of them today, I said, it pays to know your audience. One of the young men was saying that, you know, in, in the class and teaching that, um, talking matter-of-factly matter fact, matter about some things that are common to us, common to us. We, we know it. We don't even think about it. You know, Jacob, we pretty much all know something about Jacob. But I told him, I said, there are Sunday school attendees that they don't know who Jacob is. They don't, they don't have any background on Jacob. Jacob's just another name like Arnold, you know, or something. Just another name. And uh, so... We can't take it for granted just because we know. We, we, it's not common knowledge. Paul even said that, and he spoke it to our shame that not everybody has this knowledge. That's why we're out there knocking doors. That's why we're out there giving out invitations. That's why we're explaining what apostolic means. You know, And, uh, and I've told it many times that uh, I often will make it clear to people when I ask them to turn to a certain place in the Bible to read that I give them time and I'll help them to know where it's at in the Bible and and uh, because when I first came if you'd have told me to turn to the second book of Hezekiah I would have been looking for it because I didn't I didn't know the books of the Bible I didn't know anything I'd never read the Bible and so again we want to be have a feel and an understanding and a, and a compassion for those who don't know and so here in dealing with these Jewish that only knew in part as it is written, they bl Israel had blindness in part. And so they only knew so much. And he made it clear. And uh, he said if that wasn't the case about never take away sins, uh, the sacrifices could never take away, uh, he said then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged would have had no more conscience of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of them, made of sins every year. And so that's what he goes through this chapter, contrasting. But he gets to that part where he makes it clear. He said, wherefore, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he has said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Aren't you glad about that? Now where remission or full pardon forgiveness of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness, that means confidence, to enter into the holiest by the blood of Christ, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated, a new 
and a living way. Not an old way. Not a blueprint way. Not a way that could never quite get there and get the job done. No, but by a new and a living way. I um, have read that to continue to do something in the same pattern, in the same way, over and over again, expecting a different result is insane. It's a definition of insanity. It's just insane. It's crazy to think that. I've given you the example about, you know, the thumb and hit it and scream and God heal it and move it and all of that and hit it again until finally God said, move your thumb, you know. So you got to change the pattern. Change the pattern here. So, uh, you know, Satan, Satan rises up, Lucifer, rises up. Now, you got to understand that Lucifer was among the most, if not the most beautiful angel in God's heavenly host. And that he uh, evidently had a lot of musical inclination or gift, shall we say. And that uh, he had, he was an archangel. He guarded 50% of God's throne. Michael was on the other side. Archangel. Highly privileged and exalted position in heaven. And uh, great privilege was afforded to him. Great status. And, uh, you know, he wasn't a worker bee or angel, as you see. Okay? And uh, he was given some notoriety. He was given some lifting up. He was trusted with that lifting up, that he wouldn't step out of line. And uh, unfortunately, though, he did, didn't he? And uh, he started thinking maybe, you know, he was bigger and badder than God and that he knew more than God. He had better ideas than God. If he could just get the angels to look to him, get everybody else to look to him. And after all, he'd look in the mirror every day, you know, tell himself he was one more suave, smooth, cool-looking angel. He had some really fine set of wings there. And uh, I don't know, maybe they were 32s. I don't know. And, uh, and with that singing he could do, maybe he had a built-in amplifier. I'm not sure. But uh, nonetheless, he rose up against me. Now, from our standpoint, you and I sitting here with him, man, that dude's crazy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I think pretty much everybody's 100% on that, right? Okay. Okay. So, you know, Satan, it didn't work. It didn't work. Whatever he told a third of the heavenly host, I got a feeling he told all the angels. But he only got a third of them to follow him. And uh, so when he was cast out of heaven because it didn't work, and they all went right with him. You want him? You're going with him. 
And uh, as Jesus testified in the days of his flesh, he said, I beheld, that means I saw Satan fall from heaven as lightning to this earth. You know, I saw that. And uh, I'm a witness of that. Well, you know, Satan got here and, and um, I, I want to just let you know he has not changed his pattern. He told them up there, this is going to work. This is my plan. Listen to me. And he began to give them things that they begin to get, yeah, mm, yeah, hmm, yeah. And I'm quite sure he was slandering Michael, the other half of the guardianship of the throne. And I probably didn't have too many good things to say about Gabriel either. And I'm sure he wanted Gabriel to go with him. Because after all, Gabriel played that horn, right? Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's get old Gabriel in here. From what the scripture teaches, he didn't get Gabriel. He didn't get Michael. There were some he didn't get. And uh, matter of fact, there's two thirds. Says we ain't going with you, Pat. And uh, I promise you, in that split second, that Lucifer and that third one out of heaven, there was two thirds of them angels taking their wings and. Whew, I'm glad I didn't listen to that dude. Well, I'm not glad I didn't follow him. Well, I'm not glad I stepped back. You know? Yeah. That's when it was okay to back up a little bit. You know that? That was a lawful time to back up a little bit. And uh, we used to have a guy down at the radio station, and he'd, he'd, sometimes he would come in and preach live, and, and he'd, he'd finish up his little whatever he was doing and say, I'm backing up now, I'm backing up, I'm backing up, I'm backing up. Well, it reminded me of the guy that, um, that uh, spoke to a large congregation of insurance people and he was chosen from the thousands to make the speech that night and they built a, a platform a portable platform and he stood at the he'd practice and he'd rehearsed and he just you know was ready he thought and he stepped up to the podium took a big breath to start and went blank and that happens sometimes and so he did what they teach you and he stepped back to compose himself get a fresh focus and step back up and same thing, blank again. So this time he stepped back two steps. And, you know. Well, he went through this about four or five times until finally he stepped back so far he fell off the back of the platform. <laughs> so it's okay to step back sometimes from a situation and get a good fresh perspective, but don't back up too far. Don't back up too far. Don't backslide or backfall. <laughs> okay? Okay. So, uh, the, the two-thirds of the heavenly host were very glad that they stepped back and took a good look at Lucifer and begin to get a fresh focus on just what he was saying and what his plan was. He's going he's gonna to actually get in God's face. He's going he's gonna to say that God's wrong. And, and two-thirds of the angels said, I can't go with that. Or as one young man told me not too long ago, he said, he said, uh, I just felt like I couldn't roll with him on that. 
and I know today he's very glad that he didn't roll that way. And that's how those angels were. They were, two-thirds of them were very glad that they didn't roll with that. They didn't go along with that. They found the angelic backbone to say no, no, no. Can't roll with that. Can't do that. Well, when the third, led by Lucifer, hit planet Earth, well, he got them all together and said, okay, boys, here's the plan. And the sad part is, this one-third now, they're stuck. They're with them. So they had to listen to the plan. Because it's like, what are we going to do now? You know, we don't have heaven's backing. Hell's prepared for us. What, what, we're doomed in darkness and chains here. What, what are we going to do? And Lucifer, known as Satan, that, that old serpent, the devil, he did not change his pattern at all. He just went on with the same old lies and the same junk, and they were sent out to convince all of us. We became the target audience as he began to infiltrate and go to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking whom he may devour. But you know, just as there's a wheel within the wheel, there's a church, in other words, within a church, or a congregation within a congregation. And that's the target audience that Lucifer is truly after. He's got the world. He's got the religious world. He's got all of them because all are concluded unto sin. And all have fallen short of the glory of God. So he just got to keep them. So he keeps coming up with inventions and things to keep them all confused and mixed up and going in different directions. And you'll find what you want over here. you know. And, of course, people don't find what they want over there. It's kind of like uh, the angel, the good angel, in other words, one of the two-thirds, told the woman that came to the graveyard looking for Jesus. Seemed like a funny place. And he said, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. Well, that's what the third found out. God's not among, among us. They, you talking about, somebody described hell one time as how terrible it was because they, they could feel no presence of God, an absence of God. He wasn't there. And that's what hell cast into the lake of fire, which I think would give us a sense of eternal finality that uh, not going to be any God there. He's not going to be there. You know, when, when uh, that rich fella, all full of himself, when he, when he came by doing his thing, buying his clothes, Faring sumptuously every day. Got a little money in the pocket. Now, you'd be surprised what a little, watch out, what a little promotion, what a little bit of money in your pocket can do to you. I've said it for years. I hope, I'm praying for God to bless you. And I hope God gives every one of you a limousine. More people, more room to take people to church. But not if you're going to get in your limo and drive off. 
Not if you're going to forget what it's all about. So, he's got his chauffeur taking him all around town, and he's fairing sumptuously, and he's got a little money in his pocket, a little something in the bank. He's got some benefits. He's, he's, he's kind of full of himself. And every once in a while, he'd see one of us. Look down on us. One man said it to me like this. One man that used to worship, praise, and love God. Solid. But one day, he wasn't so solid anymore. And his thinking wasn't spiritual anymore. He made this statement to me about somebody in town. He said, huh, I wonder how much money they got in the bank. I was thinking of that verse that said, when you was little in your own sight. Because I remember when this guy, I know of it to be factual that this guy bought his clothes at a place that you and I would call Goodwill. Probably wasn't called Goodwill then or at that particular location, but that's what it was. And that's where he bought his clothes. And his tithing wasn't the 10 cents. But now the streets are better. Money's in the pocket and in the bank. And we get that looking down the nose attitude to it. We get a little disdainful about, you know, somebody shouts and we're Identify too much with that. That old flesh. That old flesh. And uh, you know, we've we've got to be a little cautious here. Because you've heard the saying, and I didn't say it was chapter and verse, but I think if I could put some scriptures together, it would pretty much translate to the same thing. And that is he who laughs last, laughs best. I would tell you that he who's looking down laughs, rejoices the most. Because you see that guy going around and acting all that way? He died, like everybody will. And he lifts up his eyes in hell. And the, the ones that he, that represented the ones that he always looked down at, looked down his nose at, and at a place where he's having to look up. There ain't no looking down because he's at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the bottom. He's under the bottom. <laughs> and now he's looking up. And who does he see? He sees but the very one that he looked down on. And he's like, could you dip your finger in water and come touch one of my parts? I'm tormented down here. So now who's looking down? Now who's looking down? God's church is going to be in the position of looking down. Okay? I had somebody tell me today, you know, that now this, I hope this doesn't cross your theology or your 
fuzzy blanket and thumb-sucking mentality. But uh, we don't know. We're not going to know people after the flesh in that place called heaven. Okay? Because what if somebody very close to you doesn't make it? I don't think you want that memory for all of eternity. Bad memories. Bad situations. You don't want those memories. Wouldn't be heaven. We're not going to know anybody after the flesh. I had a man tell me that today. He was talking to me. And, and uh, I was glad. I said, I'm glad you don't go along with that fairy tale stuff. I'm glad we can talk on that level. Because most people don't want to hear that. You know. Most people want to build their beliefs on unscriptural things. Matter of fact, a lot of people make statements very often without a shred of evidence. It's kind of like building a house without a foundation, isn't it? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, uh, as I told a lawyer one time, says, oh, you know, I'm going to quote scripture. My whole life was based on that. I told a guy today about, about he, something about real estate. And he started talking about FHA and all that stuff. And I said, whoa. I said, that's why I'm getting you involved because FHA is just three letters of the alphabet to me. I said, you want to talk about Genesis to Revelation? I get with you. I said, I can handle that. I said, but real estate and jargon and all that stuff, I said, I don't know nothing about that. Just a generalization. But, you know, you start getting into all that, that technical talk and you leave me in the dust. And, uh, so I'm saying to you that um, I told this lawyer one day, and I said, the Bible said, no, I said, I said, prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. Boy, his head came up and he said, I like that. And I said, well, that's Bible. That's Bible. You don't want to base your beliefs. You don't want to base your actions on things that you have no scriptural evidence or any other kind of evidence. You don't want to do that. That's downright silly. Matter of fact, you know the devil's a gambler. Did you know that? He's a gambler. He's a gambler. Yeah. And, you know, I knew a guy one time that he, 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 he claimed to be a, like a general contractor. And he wanted to build buildings, but, you know, you build that on the owner's nickel. And he, nothing restrained him. He'd rent this and rent that and do this and spending money like crazy because it wasn't his money. <laughs> it was somebody else's money, you know. And, uh, come on, walking partner. The devil's a gambler. You know why he's a gambler? You know why some men can gamble just so much? Because their pockets are just so deep. That's why they run out of money. Because you know it's destined to lose, right? You know it's all rigged for you to lose. They'll let you win a little bit up front to hook you a little bit. Once they get you good and hooked and you can't stop yourself, well, then they milk you for every penny you got. They, give you, they get back everything they gave you and then some. And so, but the devil, he, 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 he gambles. You know why he gambles with reckless abandon? 
because he gambles with your life. That's why. That's why. Yeah, he gambles with your life. Oh, brother, he, he likes to gamble with everybody else's life. You know why he can do that with reckless abandon? Because he's already lost. His is already gone. He's already broke. He doesn't have a life to gamble. He already lost the bet, if you please. Whoops, like lightning, he's cast out. He put it all on the line. What Brother Kennedy said, all in. He put it all in. I told Brother Kennedy, I said, man, I just got done preaching on, on how did I say it? Not all in, but I said about living it all for God, giving it all to God or whatever. And I, I'm saying that the enemy is happy that he already put all his in and he lost. He's, he's, he's broke. He's absolutely broke, okay? All he's got to gamble with is your life, your life. You don't need to let him do that any longer, especially, I am saying, being born again. And you, you don't need to step out. You know, step, if I, I have, I, <laughs> I, in the wee hours of the morning, I have fallen right off of this platform. I get to praying, and I don't know where I'm at, you know, and I just, boom, I went one morning. What did I say? Tail over two kettle, or however that goes. Head over two kettle, however that goes. I did it. <laughs> and I hit the ground, and I just rolled, got back up, and kept praying. <laughs> and, uh, but I stepped out, and there wasn't nothing there, is my point. Betting your life, your eternal life, on something that you haven't proved it. You don't have facts. Right? Somebody told me today, said, today or yesterday, whatever it was, recently, said that so-and-so said you kicked them out of the church. I know it was Bernard Kennedy. Let's correct him. He said, so-and-so, I saw them, and they told me that you kicked them out of the church. I said, well, that's not true. I said, they kicked themselves out. See, I told them, you can come here if you don't get involved with going anywhere else. I said, but the day you go somewhere else, that's the day you stay and you don't come back here. I said, we don't play that game back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We don't do that. So I'm telling you up front, there's a seat for you here if you want to be here. And if you want to be here, you won't be visiting over there, getting involved with all kinds of talk. I said, we're not going to do that. Because, see, I'm not gambling with y'all's life. I'm trying to save y'all's life. And I don't want you to be exposed to things that will damn your soul to hell. Okay? I don't want that. So, um, you know, I had to give Bernard that little tidbit of inside information because, you know, when the high priest went in to the holiest of holies to offer first for himself and then for everybody else, he knew everybody else's dirty laundry. He had to. You know, there's not too many young people that have even grown up to maybe 30-something years old. I guess Marvin's the old man of the crew, right? So 32, whatever. That, um, But what I, I've taking their dirty laundry to the cleaner and got it clean, paid for it out of the wad, 
and and pick it up for me. Okay, gotcha. And you know that's what the high priest did. The high priest, he uh, he took everybody's dirty laundry into the holiest of holies. <laughs> and his job was to go in there and offer. And and it was such a serious responsibility that they actually tied a rope history teachers around the high priest. Because, you know, on the bottom of his vestments, there was bells. Maybe that's where that phrase comes from. I'll be there with bells on. You know, maybe that's where that came from. I don't know. But he had bells. He had a bell and a piece of fruit called a pomegranate. And then he would have had that a little more, a little longer, but Patrick ate all the pomegranates. That's a joke. Probably better if it had been mangoes, but anyway. Uh, there was a pomegranate and there was a bell. A pomegranate and a bell. And then they went around. Well, the point was that he's in there ministering. Maybe that's where the song came from, Jingle Bells. I don't know. But he's in there and you could hear the bells jingling. And they knew that everything was cool. Because only he's the only one who was allowed to go in there. Okay. The Levites, the, the trainees, they could go in the holy place, but they couldn't go in the holiest of all. There was a big curtain. That's the thing that got cut in half when Jesus died on the cross. Signaling that we're not doing things the old way. See, we're not doing things without facts. We're not doing things based on building our hopes and dreams on air castles or something without a foundation. We're not, we're not operating on assumptions and suppositions. We're proving all things. Oh, did I give you the rest of that verse? And hold fast to that which is good. Yeah. You let the, the devil claim his junk. You let him keep his junk. Okay? You let him keep his junk. Because we got, we got a new and living one. We got a new and living one. You know, the Bible said, that history would like you to believe that when the, this is history, when the Roman Catholic Church had a man that was one of their priests nailed to the door of their church house, a hundred and I believe one complaint. And his complaints were based on facts. For an example, their religion charged people money to get rid of their sins. If you wanted to get rid of your sins, you had to pay money. It's called plenary indulgences. And this guy's reading on. His job was to rewrite the scriptures over and over so they wouldn't lose them. Because his, 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 what they used for paper then would disintegrate. And, you know, I've been told that the ink we have actually disintegrates. That's why you got to digitalize everything, I guess. And, uh, but anyway, uh, that's what he put 101, and it was based on factual things. And that's what really bothered them because there was facts to what he was saying. And uh, so they faced him with a choice. You can either take down your notice or you can, we're going to excommunicate you. We're going to put you out. Well, he, he said, well, I'm not taking them down because they're based on facts, and this is what you do, and this is what the scripture teaches. I read the scripture to be saved by faith because I rewrite the scriptures all the time. 
and God spoke to me. God opened my understanding to it. I kept reading it, reading it, and finally said, uh, light bulb went on. Motel 6 arrived. <laughs> and he said, okay, why are we charging people money when it, when it comes by faith? And so they got mad at him because they didn't care what the Bible said. That's why they took it into monasteries. This is history. And that's why they preserved it in the monasteries to get it out of the hands of the people. They didn't want the people. And then they called the people laity, which basically meant you're stupid and crazy and ignorant, and you can't understand it anyway. It takes us to do that, domination of history. Okay, so there you go. I didn't do the sign for that. Anyway, so there you go. But the point being that facts, facts. God said that certain things, well, when this guy left, he eventually it formed a denomination, another group by another name. As a matter of fact, it's an extension of his last name. And then that's what we call, you know, they wear collars, that he turned the collar a little bit different. Well, somebody else came along and turned the collar a little bit more and got another denomination that came out of him. And then somebody came along and turned the collar a little bit more and we got another denomination. And the denominations keep coming right to this quick thing. Okay? Well, they have termed historians that that's the Reformation. That's what they call it, capital R, the Reformation. But I want you to understand something. In God's mind, that's not the Reformation. Number one, God's church did not need any Reformation. Or it did until God did it, and once he did it, it didn't need it anymore. Because God looked at everything and said, these carnal ways of doing things, these blood of bulls and goats and so on and so forth, that he said, I hate. I got sick of the smell of it. And he said, they were imposed, imposed upon everybody. Stay with me for just a few minutes. I'm going to finish. Imposed upon everybody until the times of reformation. And that's what we just read in Hebrews 10 and 20. Because God brought a new and a living one. We're not going to do it the way these, I'm going to give you a new covenant give you something new, something that's not dead, but something that's living. I'm basing this on the blood of the Lamb. I'm giving you the sacrifice. Jesus is going to give his flesh on that cross and provide you how you can come into my presence by a new and living not going to be just one dude coming in. But now you're going to have be able to access me, my presence, by a new and living. Jesus giving his life on the cross is going to give you this on the in your heart and in your mind. You're going to have this new and living one. So I want to, if I'm going to bet, and I'm not, but if I was going to bet, I'd want to bet my life, my eternal life, on something that I had facts. I don't, I don't want to listen to a lie. I don't want, the devil's a liar, folks. That's all he can do is lie. 
He can shave. And he can bend. And he can take words and be very notoriously pliant with them. Twist them and bend them any which way. But they're still lies. That's what they are. They're lies. Oh, he scripts it. He, he's quite a storyteller. He's smooth. I told you that's the point. He is smooth. He presents himself. No marvel, the book says. I guess that means it's not a comic book, huh? No marvel. This is, this is that Satan himself is turned into a messenger of light. That he who is darkness can present himself as a messenger of light. Yeah, he can really pass himself off, can he? Well, I'd like you to listen to what the Bible said. And I know you are Bible-believing folks, at least I certainly believe you are. I hope I'm not fooled. Now, Korah, I'm going to skip some, you know, and not drown you in names. But Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and these all had good pedigrees. They were the sons of people. They rose up before Moses. Now, doesn't that sound just a little bit familiar? Because that's what Satan did. He rose up before God. Now he's come to planet Earth, and God has got things going. He's got him out of Egypt after 430 years. He sends Moses down there. Now, I'm not going to belabor you, but he did all the things that he did. And were Headed somewhere. Thank God for direction. But you've got to have faith in it. Because you know the just are saved by faith. They're delivered out of situations and dilemmas by faith. By belief in what God is saying and doing. And what, you know, I, I guarantee you, almost everybody here, almost, maybe everybody, and I say this humbly, I really do. But factually, the law came by Moses. Everybody said amen. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Everybody said amen. Now you put what came by this church and senior pastor and senior fell in your life. Huh? Is there anything you could put there? I think so. One time, I was threatened that, uh, you know, that things were being done for my enrichment. And I said, yeah? I said, okay, I'll tell you what. I said, when it comes time to go to court, I said, we, we will parade people by to testify what all this church has done for them. Who's being enriched? Who's being blessed? Who's been healed? Who's been encouraged? Who's had a car bought for them? Who's had their clothes cleaned? Who's had money put in their pocket? Who's been given housing or provided for or arranged for? Everybody thinks I own houses. Church family, I don't own houses. God uses me to I don't want to say broker, but transitionalize things. You know, because somebody in town knows us. 
and says, you know, if you want this house, I'll play bank for you, senior pastor. And then I'll get a hold of somebody that needs a house. Maybe get six people out of an apartment, you know, and put them in a situation that they can do, you know, and God blesses them to do it. But, of course, you know, somebody, I had a man, I was outside cleaning up, picking up papers. I told Brian and some of the boys the other day, I think it was Sunday morning, I was out there picking up papers, and they landed, and they got out of the car, and they came over and said, don't do that, we'll do that. I said, well, what can I say? It's habitual. I've been doing it for 40 years, you know. I'm used to just walking up and down here picking up paper. I see a paper, I go pick it up. That's all there is to it. I don't think twice about it. <laughs> Creature of habit, what can I say? And, uh, so I'm simply saying to you that, that uh, you know, we, we just kind of try to do what can be done. And I was doing that one day, and, and this guy came by, and I, I guess he worked for the city, and he was doing something, and he was riding down the street next to where I was at, and he put his window in, and he said, you own that house too? And I was like, good morning to you too. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Having a good day? It's just started. The sun's barely up. <laughs> and uh, Well, if things are that bad in your life this early in the morning, pal, I hate to see you 5 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, you better come visit our church. See if we can help you out. I know we can help you out. And uh, so, you know, and I'm like, the house I was cleaning the papers up, I don't own that house. Matter of fact, that particular house I didn't have anything to do with at all except help keep it clean, I guess, you know. Maybe the person's a little elderly. You know, I'm I'm a I'm I'm good at retrieving papers too. You know, the the kind you read, and walking it up to the door. And you know, one old one old sister said when I first came in the church, we first came in the church. She said it's nice to be nice. It's good to practice being nice, isn't it? You know, a smile can. I'll tell you what, I had that experience this very night coming to church. I came to the stop sign. I, I guess. Right? I? I guess that's right. And I I stopped at the stop sign at I and third. I was going to make a right. And there was a couple. And they were walking the baby in the stroller. And um, I'm just going to be very blank. And I, I'm white, so I guess it's okay if I say that they were black. And uh, they were looking at me like, he's white. And they were. They were looking at me like, this guy's going to be mean to us. I rolled down the window. And they were right on the right. And I said, y'all, they looked at me like they were scared to death. And I said, oh, I'm, I better go home and check myself in the mirror, man. I don't know what the deal is. My horns are showing. I don't know. <laughs> so I said, I got a big old smile on my face, and I had a card invitation to church. And I reached over across, put the window down, and the woman was on the outside, and she looked at me. And I said, y'all look so nice walking that baby. I said, I, and the more I talked, the bigger their smiles got. The relief that came on their faces. Their whole body language was changing. And and, I, you know, I didn't have a machine gun. I wasn't about to mow them down. And it dawned on them, hey, this guy's a nice guy. <laughs> you know. And I said, I'd like to invite you 
to our church and bring that little old yearning in. And brother, they would, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, of course, we had the sewage thing going down with the beads in it and everything, but you know, whatever. Whatever. You get the Holy Ghost, you didn't need the beads in it. Give us something better, right? Hate those beads. They make a lot of noise. Very disruptive. Very disruptive. We should make them out of rubber. Sound like clackers. But anyway, I'm just saying that, you know, they were, they were basing their whole reaction, their, their whole take was based on something that was not factual. Their mind was filling with, oh, what's that white thing for? Ron Martin coming up, you know. If I didn't pull out a gun, I pulled out an invitation shirt, you know. And and all of a sudden, I'm telling you, the whole thing changed. And they found out that you know I wasn't Al Capone or somebody, you know. That was a famous gangster back in the day, by the way. Actually, we had church family in here used to still do one of them that lived next to Al Capone and played with his kids, if you could believe that. My God. Well, whatever. You never know who your neighbors are until you know. Now you know. Well, hopefully that couple knows that I'm a nice neighbor and I would love for them to come to church. And uh, when I left, I promise you, I left Dr. Stephen the Ridgewood, they were just a smiling. They were stepping a little higher. They were walking a little faster. They were feeling so good. You know? You know, if you just get a Realize that the Lord said a new, a new. He said, I'll put a new spirit in your heart. A new and a living. I'll take away the, the dark clouds. I'll place it with bright sunshine. I'll turn on the biblical now, the bright lights of heaven over your life. Oh, yeah. And these dudes, these dudes, I got to finish up with these dudes real quick. Oh, boy, it's getting late. Said um, they rose up before Moses, and these were guys that were princes and supposed to be famous and people of renown in the congregation. They gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, and they started telling the leadership, "You take too much upon you. We're just as good and bad as you are." That was the element of it, and uh, accused them of lifting themselves up. Moses, Moses, he heard about it, and he, he fell on his face. He started praying. It hurt him so bad. And he said, Seemeth it but a small thing unto you, that the God of Israel hath separated you? That out of, I will say to you, out of billions that you've been saved, you've been plucked out of the fire. And Brother Lewis preached on that not too long ago, about being plucked right out of the fire. Wow. Oh, yeah. I hope you pay attention. I know you all think I probably call Brother Lewis and, and tell him all kinds of things. I do not. And I have never, ever done that with any preacher. Never, ever. I hope we got that settled. I want to hear what the Holy Ghost has to say. For which cause? Matter of fact, you know, there's things my wife will find out she won't tell me because she knows I have to preach that night. That's right. 
Don't want anything to taint anything. Want to hear from God. For which cause both thou and thy congregation are gathered together against the Lord. And he said, and what is Aaron? What is Aaron that you murmur against him? <laughs> I don't know how Aaron felt about that statement, but, you know. This is Aaron. He's just a little Jewish schlep. What are you bothering him for? You know, <laughs> and he, he could say that because he, he was Moses' brother. He was his kid brother. And uh, so anyway, you know, Moses called him out. Moses said, let's, let's have a, a face-to-face, a mano a mano. But they wouldn't do it. You know, the devil likes to, he does not like to be called out. He doesn't like you to put your finger on him. He wants to operate in the darkness, in the shadows. He's, he's subtle. He's crafty. Oh, yeah. He don't want to be shown clear out. He don't want that. No, he doesn't. Remember, a devil was going to be dealt with one night and was said, he's hiding. Well, of course he's hiding. Number one, he's, if, if, if you really see him for what he is, he's got feathers all right. He's a, he looks like a chicken. That's all he is, just a chicken. Put him in the coop. And believe me, he's going to it. But Moses was very wrought, you know, and, and Moses, Moses told God, respect not their offerings. He said, I've not taken one thing from them, and I've never hurt one of them. And you know, the Lord, the Lord spoke back after these guys gathered together and they came against the leadership. The Lord spoke to Moses. Well, Andre, would you come up here? The Lord spoke to Moses. And he said, separate yourselves from among this congregation. He said that that I may consume them. Your words are, I got this. Moses started praying, and God said, I got this. And, and Moses was back here like, and God said, I got this. And Moses went this way, and God said, I, I got, got this. this. Moses tried to go this way, and God said, I got this. Thank you for your thought. Thank you. Hey, you should have got that, girl. You got that good. <laughs> Send that to Hollywood. So anyway. <laughs> so I'm saying to you, that's what happened. Moses was crying. Moses was on his face. Moses was pleading. Moses was saying, this ain't right. <laughs> you know? Look like. Sometimes you get out of one thing and God takes care of it, only to run into, it's like getting out of a hurricane, only to turn around and run into another one. And then you're back in the same position, and God takes care of that hurricane, and you come out of that, whoop, you got another one. And after a while, you're like, you're like my wife. I don't understand. <laughs> and I say, well, you know, that's all right. We don't have to understand. We just have to have faith. We just have to trust. But what I'm trying to tell you is that God said to Moses, he said, I got this. He said, I'll consume them. And Moses left from that, and he said, and, and you better hear this very carefully. And I, I try to sweeten it with a little humor here, but 
you know, I got to watch my, my comedy here. But anyway, Moses said, depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. And thank God for verse 27. It said, so they gat up. That means they got up. That's hood talk, gat up, got up from the tabernacle of these three guys, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, on every side. And you know it said that these three dudes, they stood in the door of their tents and their wives and their sons and their little children. And Moses said, Hereby you shall know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works. For I have not done them of mine own self or my own mind. And he said, it's going to happen in a way that it's going to, it's going to get your attention. And he said, you better separate yourself. What were the last thoughts of the one-third of the heavenly host when, and I, I mean the last pico seconds, you know, that's like one trillionth of a second if you can even fathom that. But uh, I, I think that exceeds the blink of an eye. I understood that was one fortieth of a second. So Pico is way quicker. And uh, well, what was the last thought of the third of the heavenly host when wham, they were thrust out of heaven? What was the last thoughts of the wives and their little children when the earth opened up and swallowed them up alive? What was the last thoughts of those that, I don't need that, that stepped back? So we better, we better listen. He told us to separate. He told us we better back up. We better back up. You know, you don't help anything by going along with it. You don't help anything by giving ear to it. If you're going to save Korah, Korah and Dothan and Abiram, then you got to stand up. You got to step back. You got to refocus. You got to pray. And then maybe you can save them. Maybe you can straighten them out. Because I'm going to tell you something about people that are in the, in the process of backsliding. They always want to take somebody else. Because they feel like there's strength in numbers. Let's stand. Let's stand. God said, let's get rid of this old way and this old junk. How about we change the pattern here? <laughs> you know? Well. Uh, predicting, that's what Satan did, predicting there and here. Well, it didn't work there, so he's down here, so he's still bringing the same junk, and and the, somebody should have said, one of the angels, one of the deposed angels, one of the fallen angels, should have said, so you're saying we're going to be successful? Yeah! Uh, what have you changed? Not a thing! Well, it's kind of proven that your ideas don't work. Well, we're, I'm very confident at this time it's going to work. Well, you know what one guy said? He, they, he was asked about a certain situation to the east of us. And he, they said, what's the difference? And he said, well, it's the same, but different. 
Well, guess what? The result wasn't. The bottom line wasn't. Not at all. Not at all. Let me tell you something. If you don't change the pattern, you're not going to get a different result. And Satan's saying, it's going to be better this time. Oh, it's going to happen this time. Really? And what facts do you have to back that up? What evidence do you have to back that kind of, you're going to, he's gambling with your mind. He's gambling with your wife. He's gambling with your husband. He's gambling with your children. <laughs> Better step back. Better take a good look. Better pray. Better trust in that new and living way. I like God's way. I like his new and living way. I like that way. Oh, yeah. I told you, God amazes me. I've seen him do a lot of miracles, and I don't know how he does it. I've wept and told him, God, I don't know how you did it, but thank you. Thank you, Lord. You amaze me. You, you leave me standing in awe. My jaw is on the ground. I'm swallowing all kinds of bugs here, Lord, because I'm so, I'm, I'm so stupefied at your glory, your greatness, your majesty. No wonder, no wonder God told Moses and the angel, that big Andre-type angel, told Joshua. He didn't say you might want to. <laughs> he didn't say got a little suggestion for you. This would be wise. Good idea. He didn't say none of it. He said, get your shoes off your feet. You're on holy ground. Be careful about how you trample things. Because those things are holy. They belong to God. Is it not written in Hebrews? About those that withstood the leadership without the mouth of two or three witnesses. They were absolutely judged. And there's a certain fearful looking, a fiery judgment, which shall overtake the adversary. Constantly, every, every time anything goes wrong, man, you're looking over your shoulder. Oh, boy, we're going to get it. We're going to get it. That's the way to live. That's not the peace of God. That's not what God gives us. He gives us peace. He gives you confidence. When he gives you the Holy Ghost, when he washes you in his blood, when he makes you a part of his wheel within the middle of the wheel, and you, you keep making the cut, you know, and you're still on the team. I used to tell a young lady sitting about where Grandma sitting, or maybe one row up with a young lady, and uh, actually she's related to Brother Colbert, and year after year, because she was young, and year after year, and she went through the being 12 and 13 and 14, and every time, every year, I'd ask her, because I didn't have Sister Stephanie as teacher in the classroom. And I said, so, how old are you now? I'd say it in front of everybody. And she'd say, 13. And I'd say, still here in the church. Hadn't had a baby yet. Good going, good job. And then it would be 14. And then it would be 15. But you know, somewhere around 16, 
took that attitude. Rose up against leadership. Went against the warning. Fell in with those that were stealing things. And wound up where people who steal things wind up. Got the mug shot. Put in jail. And all the things that accompanied that. Let's go with that new and living one. You'd be surprised how many young people used to come here and be in Sunday school, be a part. Now they're, now they're in jail. Now they have mug shots. It's not a happy thing for the leadership. You know, we want you in to help you to come in the new and living way. We want everything in your life to be a blessing. We want you to be happy and satisfied, not murmuring and complaining. You know? I preached here at Fort Myers not too long ago on if, if your ho only hope in this life, only hope you had was in this life, you would be of all men most miserable, the writer said. And I, I preached it, I'm of all men most happy, most blessed. Like I said, the law came by Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Mercedes. Pete came by senior pastor. Flew right out there with him. Gave him away. Think about that. <laughs> the day before our 44th anniversary, I believe it was, or 43rd, whatever it was. Oh, yeah. A lot of good things come through. A lot of good things are provided. Be thankful for the new and the living that he consecrated for us by giving his life on that cross. A lot for us to be thankful. A lot for us to stand for what's right. We've got husbands and wives and little boys and little girls to fight for, to stand for, to live for God for. Everybody said hallelujah. Well, if I can retrieve my piano player, amen. And we'll have a little course. We'll get ready to dismiss tonight. Come and, come and play because you ain't going nowhere, bro. Huh? You're on lockdown. I didn't take you off. No wonder he's away. I thought you were bringing a plane in. You know, I used to fly, and they used those flags, you know. <laughs> Thank you.